Morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. So, yeah, so you've got me this morning. Uh, a bit last minute, but I've been doing this for 25 years, so hopefully I've come with something from the Lord. The Lord is not surprised. Uh, let's pray together, Lord. We pray as we open your word, as we reflect, we pray for your spirit to fall upon us, for the inheritance that you have for us to be opened and received by us. Amen. Um, yes, so, the, even, so Lily is off ill, and we'll redo that talk, and the, the title for today's talk, um, Healing Prayer, Praying for Healing, is not ironic. Um, it's not that I should have rushed around, prayed for Lily, and she would be able to speak this morning. There is a now and not yet to the kingdom of God, where some people are healed and some people aren't. Um, I'm not really going to focus on that today and why we believe that as a church, why we have confidence to pray for healing, but also have an understanding of, of suffering uh, and, uh, in the world. And we'll look at that in the autumn in particular. We're going to look at the kingdom of God. Um, but let's begin with James 5, verses 13 to 16. I think they'll appear on the screen. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Amen. So, going to do a couple of things with you this morning. Going to bring something as I was up early this morning and praying and saying, Lord, is there anything specific that you want to share? I felt him nudged to be in this area about healing and prayer for healing. I'm going to share that bit, the conceptual bit at the start. And then we're going to look together about how we pray for one another. Something we do in the vineyard. One of the things that vineyard churches are known for, if you go to anyone, whether they've got five people in them or several thousand people, they will regularly invite people to be prayed for and pray for people. And we have a way that we do that that we believe we've learned from scripture and the church in history and that God's given us. And we'll, we'll do that for the second part. And then we will, during the service, pray for each other. Um, I can remember the first time someone ever laid hands on me and prayed for me. I was nearly 17 years old. I went to a small group. The reason I went to a small group was the pastor in the church said, everyone in our church should go to a small group. I didn't realize that the youth didn't go to small groups. So, but what did I know? I just thought the pastor knew what he was talking about. Um, and I remember they sort of opened the door like, why well, is one of the youth turned up at our small group? And it was near where I lived. And I went in and I had one of the most powerful experiences, encounters with God I've ever had in my life. I'm a new Christian. I'm sitting around in a circle. It's the first Bible study I've been to. I didn't know what a Bible study was. People said strange things, did strange things. They wore strange clothes. They were Baptists and Christians. I consider myself a good Baptist, by the way. Um, and then somewhere towards the end of the meeting, 
they did some intercession, and then somewhere towards the end of the meeting, they had what would be called words of knowledge, and we're going to practice those this morning. And someone said, there's, I think there's someone here who, and they detailed some events in someone's life. And I remember, I still remember, I don't know what they said, but I remember that feeling of, oh, bum, that's me. How would they know this? Now, I'd never been to church before, but I quickly picked up that God was probably involved in this. That's how they knew. And then they did that thing where they said, does that relate to anybody here? And I did that thing that all Christians do when they're trying to avoid prayer is hope that someone else responds. And no one did. And then my heart did that thing where it bit faster and faster and faster. And I knew in that moment I had a choice to make. I mean, it's not really much of a choice, is it? When God speaks to someone about you, when your body starts to respond to that, because God is desperate to do something wonderful for you, why on earth would I say no to that? And I'm being ironic because many of us say no to the Lord again and again and again. It's crazy, isn't it? I'd rather be stuck here. I'll be embarrassed. I'll be... And I remember having to overcome the embarrassment because I did not know what was going to happen next. And I went, I think that's me. And then they moved into action like trained ninjas. <laughs> all I remember in my head is we're all sitting around and there is this technique that these wonderful Baptist Christians had where they were able to pick up a Bible and their chair and move into prayer formation. And I was surrounded in an instant. It was like synchronized. And I thought, I'm trapped. There was nowhere to go. And they laid hands on me. And I remember this. And I felt the Lord say to share this. I've shared this story before. But in particular for some of you, I remember someone, no one asked, they reached out and touched me. And I flinched. Because up to that point, the dominant touch in my life was being beaten within an inch of my life. Or playing rugby, where I tried to get some aggression out on others. You see, even that moment was one where, I'm not sure I want to enter into this. Here are these people I don't really know. And then someone prayed over me from Jeremiah 29. First time. Do some of you remember times, the first time when you hear a bit of the Bible and God speaks it to you? And then you realize it's one of those, later on you realize it's one of those well-known bits that some Christians know so well they completely ignore. But hearing it for the first time. I'm in an environment, I'm being abused, my father has left me, I've just become a Christian, I am wondering if I'm going to be made homeless. Can you picture that? And someone reads Jeremiah 29 over me. Jason, I don't know anything about you, because they didn't. But I just feel God wants to say this to you. And they read from Jeremiah 29, God has a plan to bless you and prosper you and not to harm you. I don't remember what happened next because I think I cried a lot. And they prayed for me. 
And you know what? Last year was a very difficult year for me personally. And there was a time I was... One of the ways I know when the Lord speaks to me is I'm not this, you know, I'm one of those people whose brains run from one thing to another to another. And sometimes Bev will say to me, where did that come from? And I can go, well, I was thinking of that, and I was thinking of that, and I was thinking of that. Have you ever done that? And you find the root to what you were thinking. One of the ways I know the Lord speaks to me is something will come to me, and it has absolutely nothing to do with what I was just doing or thinking. And I was walking out the bathroom, sprayed myself with deodorant and turning the light off. And I felt the Lord say, Jason, do you remember that prayer? I was like, well, yes, Lord. And then I felt the Lord say, Jason, did you really remember that prayer? So I paused and I brought it to mind. And then I felt the Father say this to me. He said, do you think I finished answering that prayer yet? God said, that prayer that was prayed then, in part, was for this moment in your life right now. I was undone. You know, I thought it was just for then. And God goes, yeah, well, there was stuff then, but... I'm still answering that very first prayer from the very first person who prophesied over you and prayed for you. Wow. So brothers and sisters, if nothing else, I could stop right there and say, why? Why, oh why, do we not get prayed for and pray for others? I am the accumulation, the best things in my life, mostly are from receiving prayer and offering prayer to other people. The person you see here before you would be a completely different person if I had said no to every opportunity to be prayed for and every opportunity to pray for others. I would be a different person. And I dread to think who I would be. I would be a shell of who I am. I feel so wonderfully full of Jesus. And I know he's got so much more, because he just told me last year. So when was the last time that you prayed for someone or laid hands on them? And I'm not asking you to condemn you. I want you to join in this with me. Being prayed for and praying for others is a diagnostic of the condition of your soul before God. It really is. One, if I wanted to know the state of your spiritual life and your well-being before God. There's lots of things I could ask, but one of them would be this. When was the last time you prayed for someone? And when was the last time you were prayed for? That will tell me immediately, approximately where you are. Try it out now. Pause and think about it. When was the last time? If you're thinking, I can't remember the last time I got prayed for. Maybe you're thinking, I've never prayed for anybody. All healing. All healing. James. By the way, James, I'm not talking today just about physical healing, by the way. And some people take the passage from James and think it's just physical healing. But did you notice? There is a whole load of healing in there. There is sin and forgiveness and emotions and conscience and beliefs. The healing that God wants to bring us. He is not a slot machine that we go to just when we're sick. He wants to bring healing to us, body, soul, mind, and spirit, all dimensions. 
And that's what we're going to look at today. And as I was praying and saying, Lord, is there... Okay, I am trying to share with you what I feel might be a prophetic edge to this talk, which is, which is this question. Where are you at with praying for others and how are you at with being prayed? But there's something underneath that that I felt the Lord nudge me to ask us about today. After COVID, we're all sick of COVID and talking about it, aren't we? But many of us are still living with what happened to us, the forced isolation. Some of us have not re-emerged. Some of us have not reconnected. Some of you, you're here in the room, which is wonderful. Some of you know Christian friends who have never been near a church since COVID stopped and may never do again. Some of you know people who used to be really close to the Lord, but they might be turning up, but it's like the lights are on, but they're not all quite home with God. They're not back. They're not connected. And it's something that the enemy has always done in history. One of the earliest illustrations, we had the preaching team meeting the other night, and Brian mentioned it. I heard it when I first became a Christian. If you want to make a piece of coal that's burning hot stop burning, what do you do to it? Take it out of the fire. It goes out. If you want to be on fire, what do you do? That illustration is monumental. I heard that when I was 16. You show me any Christian who has stopped reading God's word, stopped praying, stopped spending time with other Christians, and has stopped opening up their life to the work of God in it by being prayed for and praying for others, and I guarantee you that person's temperature will have gone down and down and down. I've never seen the opposite ever, and if you have, come and show me that person. The laying on of hands especially at this moment, is a way to dissipate isolation. Do you know, one of the, if you are feeling right now in your body somewhere, the ravages of isolation and anxiety and separation, one of the ways to have the kingdom of God break over you and to say to the enemy, I will not live under this anymore, is to come down the front and have someone else put their hands on you and say, I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. And join you to the body. That was very loud, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that loud. I tried up there, but... This microphone. I'm sorry, Mark Bentley, I've probably blown something on the desk. It grounds us. It discharges us. Our suffering, our pain. And I, let me talk for myself. I have, as I have been prayed for, I have shed tears over the years and have my emotions connected and discharged to Jesus, the Father and the Spirit. I've had my anxiety replaced with peace. I've had my apprehension about the future changed with prophetic words of God's promises for me. I have been in one condition and walked out a room in another. Anybody else had that? Yeah, some nodding on here. And then we're going to have a call at the end of our service to pray and be prayed for. And 
to work in that space. And I'm flagging it with you now in case you've already said, I am not the kind of person that ever prays for anyone and I'm definitely not the kind of person who ever gets prayed for. Well, maybe this morning is this morning where you'll let God in because he has something so amazing for you. So the second thing I want to share with you is this. One of the reasons we often don't pray is we don't know how to pray. We think it's for the really special super Christians who are good at it. Have you ever thought that? Be honest. Do any of you know any Christians that are really good at praying? And you think, I could never do that. They just know the right thing in the right way and know how to do it. Let me tell you, for almost all of them, there was a time when they were absolutely useless at it. They got good at praying because guess what they did? They did it again and again and again and again and again. I like to think, if you pray for me, you'll have a relatively good experience. And I don't mean that egotistically, like I'm, you know, so I've got some super international ministry. I don't know how many people I've prayed for. It must be in the tens of thousands over decades. The more you pray for people, the more you watch other people pray for people, the more you get better at praying for people. That's one of the first myths to dispel about prayer, is that we think there's something for special people who have a direct conduit to God. And the beginning of learning to pray is to know that you can be absolutely exhausted with nothing in the tank, not heard from God for months, and you still have all the authority of heaven and earth as a disciple to lay hands on someone and say, I bless you in the name of Jesus. That's, that's all you have to say, by the way. Did you know that? I've got nothing. Silver and gold, I don't have. Amazing, awesome, revelatory words. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I say to you, be well, be healed, be delivered. Know that you're loved. Now, that wasn't difficult, was it? So what I want to share with you this bit is how to pray for people and what happens when you get prayed for. Because some of us have another caution. Some of us are like, I don't want to go there. I don't know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, some of you have probably got bad prayer experiences. Anyone got a bad prayer experience? I have. I had to make a decision when I was much younger that I would not stop receiving what God had for me because of some of the stupid things Christians did. Why would we do that? The enemy will do that. He'll say, that idiot that prayed for you means that you can never trust another Christian to pray for you for the rest of your life. And we believe that. That's stupid. Absolutely ridiculous. I've been a Christian long enough that sometimes people pray for me, especially at conferences. Sometimes, and I get some amazing prayer, they'll come up and they'll prophesy the weirdest thing over me and they'll say the strangest thing to me and expect me to do something. And you know what? I am secure in myself and inside I go, oh Lord, and I just pray for them, Lord Jesus bless them, I love their heart. There is nothing in here for me. And when they finished, I'll say, Lord bless you. And if they want me to do something strange, you know, like touch my toes and run around the room 50 times or do something, I'm like, no, that's fine. Thank you for praying. <laughs> we can take responsibility for being prayed for. We are not victims. It can be fun 
This is another reason to be in small group with people that you trust because they want to practice praying on you. We remember in the first groups we were in and we would pray for each other and try and get words and we would like, we would be reaching for anything that God might say and then they would go, no, that was rubbish. Oh, okay. Well, what did you, but you got freedom to learn, to laugh. It's one of the things we loved about the vineyard when we came into it being naturally supernatural. We practice praying, we practice prophetic words. We see through a glass darkly. There's nothing more wonderful. Bev and I went to Anna and Tom's small group in the week and we, were, we had a wonderful time sharing with them and shared something with them and we got to the end and we thought we would do that bit where you know we're the pastors so let's have some words for you and let's pray for you. And they went, no, we're going to pray for you. And then they all stood around us, prayed for us, shared prophetic words over us. It was like, awesome. Our work here is done. (laughs) So you guys that were there, thank you for that. And by the way, some of the words that you had, we have been out for a long walk this weekend. Some of them are there. And we have gone, wow, that, you had no idea what's going on in our lives. But those words were so specific. Thank you. So what do we do? Learn to pray, practice to pray. Well, Mark 10, let's start there. Five things, though don't take very long. Mark 10, verses 49 to 52. This is the story of blind Bartimaeus. You remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? He's blind, he's shouting for Jesus, and the disciples and everyone else go... Shh, be quiet. Stop bothering the great Jesus, like minders. And Jesus stops and says this. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Firstly, I love this bit. That in the story, it seems to be Jesus would have never have stopped. There's lots of people Jesus never prayed for because he walked right past them. This man is not responding. Jesus has not said, hey, who wants to be prayed for today? Jesus is minding his own business off somewhere. This person's in a whole other league. He's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's asking for prayer, not waiting for it. He wants it. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Next verse. (coughs) Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. I can't preach this whole passage. Isn't it, excuse the pun, blindingly obvious what a blind man wants from Jesus? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Oh. What I'm going to say here is, the first part of praying is we call it Asking questions, right? I can be absolutely exhausted, nothing left, completely overwhelmed. This is another lie that we believe. We think, I am so overwhelmed with with life and what I'm going through, I couldn't possibly pray for someone. If you ever think that, that is a lie from the pit of hell. I have been there on a regular basis, and I hope that you would never know. Because if someone says, Jason, can you pray for me? The first thing I'll say is this. What can I pray for you for? Is that rocket science? Doesn't need any inspiration. Copied right from Jesus. What do you want? I have a sneaky suspicion 
Jesus is minding his own business. The blind man's calling out. He's blind. It's obvious he needs healing. But Jesus is fully human like us. I think Jesus in this moment is doing what a human fully dependent on the Holy Spirit might do. And he's slightly tired, slightly frazzled by all the shouting and screaming. He's like, okay, what do you want? He's also doing something that we believe when you ask questions. You put the person at the center. Being person-centered. What do you want prayer for? It's not hard. What do you want prayer for? What do you need? And this is the beginning of prayer for other people. And it is, it's why we often avoid it. The way in is the way on, to use another phrase from our founder, John Wimber. One of the reasons we don't get prayer is because we don't want to open up. We don't want to talk about what we need God to do in case it leads to something else because we're locked down. I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want something to happen. But the beginning of prayer, this man runs up, is to open up. And if you're praying for someone, the start of prayer is listening to others. Here's another reason why it's so powerful to pray for other people. I'll turn it into a question. When was the last time you regularly listened to someone else tell you what they needed in their life from God? If you never do that, you are missing out on a whole dimension of your faith and experience. Does that make sense? There's so much in a question. Why? What do you want? What do you think you want? We can do things like, especially when it's physical illness, where does it hurt? By the way, one of the reasons to ask where it hurts is if someone afterwards we really don't like in the vineyard, we do not like claiming God has done something when he hasn't. So if someone says, I'm in pain, ask where in pain? And we'll often say, how would you know it was better? Well, if you're blind, it's obvious, isn't it? I can't see, I'd be able to see. But maybe you can't sit down, maybe you can't stand up for a while, maybe you can't touch your toes. That's to say, let's say you've got something wrong with your back, you can't touch your toes. Well, pray for someone. If they can bend over and touch their toes, it's probably likely that they had some healing. Make sense? We're measuring. And it's really important because here's another thing. Oh, I wish I could, I should probably do. Oh, wants to make me do a series on this. About faith. Faith for prayer. One of the ways to build faith is to practice and start small. And what, um, some of the things that happen with prayers always happens with all things in life, two extremes. One of them about faith is we claim things that we should never have claimed. Because there's no evidence to base it on. I prayed for that person's back and they were healed. How, how do you know they were healed? They told me they were. Really? And then you bump into that person in the car park and they can't get back into their car and it's obvious that they were not healed at all. And then your faith dies in you. You go, that wasn't faith at all. Another way that faith dies is we don't measure it so we don't have something. My faith has built up like a muscle. And have you been to the gym? The scripture tells us faith is you exercise it. It builds. You know, start praying for the small things. And if you measure them and you see God do something, it builds your faith. Have any of you had that experience? You're like, I... Something inside happens and you go, I now believe something inside me, it's called faith, that if I pray for people in that situation, God could turn up. Because you've seen him do it. You're not doing it, aren't you, some of you? You know what it's like? You're like, I've got this one. Woohoo! And I had to pray for that. 
I've been through awful bouts of crippling depression, mental health, illness, and I have sat with people who have opened up their lives at levels that they've been terrified to talk to people about, and I have seen the presence of Jesus turn up in power and minister to people and see them find freedom and healing and peace. I have so much faith in that area, more than you might have, because I've experienced it myself and I've seen God do it. And I'm like, well, of course God's going to move. Does that make sense? And by the way, if you want more of it, just do it. And it grows. It's one of the other fun things about prayer. Maybe God wants you to be the person who's really good at praying for bad backs. Maybe God wants you to be the person that has an extra measure of faith for ingrowing toenails. I don't know. But there is something that God has designed you for, that you can listen to people for, that you've experienced from him and received from him. And you can go, oh, I can give this away to you. Where does it hurt? Reassure people that they do not need to perfectly know or understand. Sometimes when I pray for people, there's just that pressure to say it correctly. Okay, just say it how it is. It's fine. It doesn't have to be full of scriptures and a perfect understanding. Just, we just have to start somewhere. Our God is gracious. And by the way, this is the beginning and the ending of prayer is God's grace. Jesus says, all we have to do is go pray for me. If we don't ask to be prayed for, nothing can happen. Is this helping? Don't have to be perfect or get it all right. And one of the results is, they don't know what they need prayer for. You don't know what they need prayer for. But you're still going to pray. Anyone ever been in that situation? I've literally had people say, I just felt I should be prayed for. What for? I don't know. I just know I need prayer. And you go, cool. And they go, have you got any sense of it? And I'll go, absolutely none. <laughs> it's one of the other things that we value in the vineyard. Just be honest. Our God is an honest God. He loves it. When two Christians have got together and they said, I think I should be prayed for. I'm not sure what I should pray. And God goes, awesome. He doesn't go, oh, isn't it a shame that you don't know the 15 levels of revelation required for engaging in prayer? That is not the God that we worship. Not the God that we worship. And by the way, if you dress up your prayers, this is the longest of the five. If you dress up your prayers with unnecessary language, with trying to look good, with making it as if you are an expert, you will give the enemy a foothold to crush real power in your life. Don't do it. It's one of the things I loved. I went to a vineyard conference. I need to tell stories. They're more fun. We went to our first conference, John Wimber, our founder. It was this most amazing worship. It's the most powerful worship experience I have ever had in my life. At the end of it, people sang in tongues. Someone sang in tongues. And, you know, not like Bought Fiat, but a short of a Renault kind of tongue. I mean, like, like a real language. Like a language of heaven with... with musical and cadences like it was a piece of music you would hear on classic fm and then i heard someone the other side of the auditorium i'm a trained musician I used to play violin in a national youth orchestra i heard them sing note for note in english what that person over there had done i've never heard that ever since that moment it was like heaven opened 
and everyone's there. And then John Wimber gets up and we're going to do prayer for healing. And then he did the most amazing thing. He told a joke. He opened a can of Coke. And you can see some people like, but we just got to a place where the Spirit of God was here. How irreverent. But see, John Wimber was a smart man. He knows what human beings do. We get so wound up so quickly. And especially when it comes to prayer, we get so hyped and worked up. And he didn't want one person in that room to leave the meeting and think that the only reason they had an experience was because of the previous experience. And he stood up and he cracked a joke, opens a can of Coke, and then he goes, well, I guess we should pray for one another, shouldn't we? And you could feel the atmosphere in the room had gone like this. And he went, nothing up my sleeves. And then he did this. Come, Holy Spirit. I've never seen anything like it. Went from zero to eternity in a split second. And I don't think anyone walked out that room having encountered God saying, oh, it's because they built it up into hype. No, the fat man with his can of Coke died it all down and said, come, Holy Spirit. That was it. That was it. So we start prayer. We diagnose prayer. And this is the bit, every step of this, by the way, you only get better at by practicing. And it's one of the reasons we don't want to do it, because we don't want to practice, because we're terrified of getting it wrong. God doesn't care. In the vineyard, they used to call them clinics. We would practice praying for one another and celebrate. That's the worst word of knowledge I've ever heard. Yay! (laughs) That prayer won't do anything. Laugh at it. Enjoy it. How many of you have got kids? One of the, I love my kids when they were trying to do things that adults can do properly, yeah? But I didn't mock them when they tried it and they got it completely wrong. What do you do when a kid tries to do something that you're hoping they're going to do as an adult and they get it completely back to front, upside down, and you're thinking that is not, that's not good? What do you do? Yay! Because that's how they learn and grow. And the Father is the same with us. Now, sometimes it's clear when we're praying for someone. They've had an accident. What do you need prayer for? I got run over by a car. Okay. That doesn't take much diagnosing. You've been in an accident. Or they've got a serious illness. But we do need to sort through the natural and the supernatural and start to listen to the Lord. And this is one of the things, this is one of the reasons that prayer, praying for other people is as good for you as praying for others. Because to learn to do it, you have to ask God, do you want to say anything and start to listen to him? And overcome our fear of not getting anything from him. And that's how he starts to speak to us. Sometimes when you're praying for people, what's really going on is sin or disobedience. This is back to James. And sometimes people have been cursed by vows they've made themselves, words that have been spoken over them by family and parents, things that happen to them with other people. And the more you learn to pray, the more you start to see, oh, you, you want prayer for that, but I'm already sensing there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. Some of you have prayed a lot for people. You're nodding your head because you know what that's like. You're like, that's not really the thing. That's the symptom. There's something else. Please pray for my crippling headaches. My boss is a nightmare. And you find, actually, it's the fact that they work 18 hours a day, seven days a week, never want to be at home, 
and have a fear of many things. They want their headaches prayed for, but they need prayer for other things. Do you see? That makes sense. And by the way, it doesn't matter. Trust me, if you have nothing, it doesn't matter. You don't pray for someone because you're going to get the perfect insight. And we start with mercy and we end with mercy. So again, imagine if everyone in this church, imagine if every Christian in every church in the world opened up their lives to other people and opened up their, to be prayed for and opened up their lives to others to pray for them. What would happen in our world if you regularly said, will you pray for me? What about, I don't know, let's pray and see what God does. Just that. What would that do? Our highest call when we are discerning and praying is to love the person before us. Sometimes people, I'm like, man, there's a lot there. And sometimes I think they tell me what they're up to or what they're doing. I have prayed for some people at some times. And, and they don't want to talk about what's going on in their lives. And I'll say, please, trust me. Be vulnerable. I will steward what you share with me. Share anything. And they will. And you're like, oh, gosh, how did you struggle with that, you poor thing? And other times people just brazenly share stuff because they're so stuck in something. And I think, at least you're sharing it. <laughs> um, we start to open up to one another. We find out how lonely and isolated we are. We find out how the enemy has isolated and bound each other up. We find the self-harm of cognitive bias and alibis. Can't you see this in your friends who do the same daft things again and again and again with the most amazing justifications in the world for them? And you think, can't you see what's happening in your life? And one of the ways to get anywhere near that is to make a place where people are loved and we love them however they present we see this with Jesus again and again and again our highest call is to love the person before us and by the way did you know that the gifts of the spirit including the prophetic are readily available to you they're not limited to special Christians hearing from God and having him give you a gift by his spirit for the prophetic or for healing or for deliverance, we believe this in the vineyard, this is a whole teaching series, I can't go into it, is not for special people, it is for the whole body of Christ. So someone comes up to you and they say, I need prayer for deliverance, and they start to manifest, and you look around thinking, where's the deliverance expert? And there isn't one. Then you go, God, I guess I'm it. And I think... Our Father in heaven loves it when we are so out of our depth in prayer that we go, Jesus, help. And the Father, Son, and the Spirit go, Voof! and they bring angels. Voof! They're there. That's real faith. Real faith. One of the things that happens with the gifts of the Spirit is that we... We rationalize them. A thought comes into our head, a word comes into our head, a picture, a scripture, and we go, oh, that was just me. We're very good at rationalizing. Very good. By the way, there is a sort of radioactive decay to God speaking to you and you doing something about it. Psychologists know this, not about prayer, but they know about all of life. If, if, a, if an insight comes to you and there is something that you should do, the longer you think about it, 
and the longer you delay on it, the less likely you are to ever do it. That's why Christians, the best one that Christians use to avoid ever doing anything is this, I'll go away and pray about it. Means I have no intention of ever doing anything about that ever. That is not the same as, I don't know, pray for me now. Do you see the difference? I'll go, now some people, I do know some people who say they are going to go away and pray and they really mean it. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's all the world of difference. That's uncomfortable. I'm not sure. Pray for me. And then go away with the Lord and carry on dealing with it. And here's, here's the last thing on hearing from the Lord. I think I hear from the Lord reasonably well. But I learned to hear from the Lord by hearing other people hear from the Lord. We, we, Bev and I made a decision. We had someone teach us this. So we went forward every single Sunday, every small group, everything we were at and prayed for people. And we also went and stood around the people that looked like they knew what they were doing. One of the best things we did was, this is what I did. I was at that, you know that conference I told you about with John Wimber? I went around and I stood around the people that looked like they knew what they were doing. Every time they prayed for someone, that person fell over, yeah? Or the spirit would be poured out and I would stand there and I would lay hands on the person because I'm thinking, I want to catch what you're, I want it, go on, literally. I want to receive it from them. And I was watching, how are you praying? And I was listening. And then at 19 years old, I'm so glad I did this, I would run to the other side of the room and find someone to pray for because there were hundreds of people being prayed for and someone needed praying for and I would copy the prayers of the person that I just had. I would take it from that side of the room to that side and I would pray. And, I, and people go, cool, this guy knows how to pray. I'm like, yeah, I know how to use that person's prayer. How did the disciples learn to pray? Jesus does it. Then he sends them off. Did you think they sat down and said, hmm, I wonder if God heals today? Or oh, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this whole being prayed for thing. Who does Jesus think he is to send us off and have us do this? They didn't do any of that. What they did was, guess we better start praying, guys. What do we do? Uh, oh, there's a blind person here. What should we do? Oh, let's ask them. Do you see? That's how it works. Nearly done. Third thing, then we choose how we're going to pray. Copy other people's prayers. Bless people. The main thing here is keep your eyes open when you pray for someone. By the way, when you ask someone what do you need prayer for, naturally you'll keep your eyes open because you want to listen to them, yeah? But often if we are not used to praying for people, we have a tendency to close our eyes as if we're in intercession. One of the reasons to keep your eyes open is to see what's happening with someone. You learn to see the Holy Spirit touching someone. You also know... I'll give you some basics. If you pray for someone and they start crying, you're probably doing two things, either praying really badly or your prayer is hitting the nail. If you've got your eyes closed, you can't see it. So open your eyes as you pray. And we need to be more bold. Pray in tongues. If you know how to pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. It brings the presence of God and lets you disengage that part of you that wants to be wound up or insecure. And we need to be bolder as we pray. One, and again, last thing I'll say on this, how to be bolder to pray, look at people who are bold in their prayers and learn from them. That's how you get bolder. And what I mean by that is when someone's ill, we don't do this, 
dear Lord Jesus, if it's your will, could you possibly do something about this? I'm sorry to ask you, amen. There's no faith in that prayer, is there? None. Instead, go, I've, so let's take mental health. When I've seen someone uh, and I've learned to pray sensitively, but sometimes when I'm with someone and I can feel the oppression over them and the work that the enemy is doing, and to reach out and put your hand on their head in that place that I know and say, I tell this darkness, be gone in the name of Jesus. Peace, come now. Speak in the third person, the first person. I bless you. I release you. We bless you. We release you. It's how Jesus prayed. It's how the disciples prayed. He releases things. Fourth thing, how do you know when to stop? Well, they've walked away. You've run out of things to pray. How do you learn how to stop prayer? Have you had that awkward moment in prayer? How many of you have been prayed for and you're like, I've really had enough, but I don't know how to stop now. And people going on and on. You're like, there's nothing happening. Yeah? Do you know what I do to signal to other people to let them out of their misery? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> it's really that easy. You will not offend anyone. If you're finished, go, thank you. If you're praying for someone and they think they have to do it forever, you just go, well, I've run out of things to pray. Doesn't seem anything else is happening. Um, and the other way that you learn to stop praying is by watching how other people do it. And the last one, the end of prayer. Do people need to take some time and take some action? I will, when I've gone through with someone, uh, sometimes someone will be talking about something and I'll just say, have you been to the doctor? Surprising how many people avoid going to a doctor because they think it's a lack of faith. It's not at all. Have you been to the doctor about that? No. Oh, I really think you should. Do you? Yes. Empower people and bless them to have the faith to go to their doctor when they need to. Um, I'll say, I think you might benefit some, because again, if, if I got experience in what I'm praying for, I think some more prayer for that would be good. Are you in a small group? No. Okay, if you, if you were, you do realize that people can, I, I get prayed for regularly. Every single week, I always get prayed for. If you were in a small group, you could be prayed for like this. Was this, and I'll say it like this, was this helpful? Yes. Would you like more of this? Yes. Join a small group. And lastly, just make sure that you point people that when they go away, especially if they feel like nothing's happened, this is the now and not yet, Always affirm them, always love them, always bless them. And never make them feel like they did something wrong as you prayed. Sound good? Great. Worship team, up you come. <laughs>